Well, good morning, and honestly, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, everybody here and the people listening online, we're going to be talking about something weird. And uh, I'll be honest with you, kind of like Derek was talking about with his first message where he was doing kind of the pastor's confession, I'm, I was a little bit, I was having a little difficulties with this, I was struggling a little bit, and I called Derek, and I was like, you know, did you, I sent him a note, so I was like, did you read over the notes, and he's like, yeah, man, it's, it, looks, it looks good, it's, I was like, what do you think, he's like, it's, it's awesome, he's like, I was like, well, I know it's awesome, but I mean, <laughs> what do you think about it, and he's like, well, what's going on, I said, well, I'm kind of struggling, you know, I'm not really feeling it, I don't know, I don't really, I'm not getting excited about it, like, I want to be able to portray what God has shown me through it, and so he prayed for me, and I've been praying, and honestly, this morning, I'm excited. I feel like that God's going to speak this morning. He's, he's going to move, and he's going to do something in, impossible and make it possible for us. So on the first week, Derek talked about how it's okay to struggle with doubt. When we see miracles happen all around us, and we read about so many miracles in scriptures, it doesn't exactly fit the same square pegs in square holes and round pegs in round holes that we're used to. And if we get past our doubt and believe that our impossible is possible, we can finally see what God can do in us. Next, we talked about how God works miracles in his own way and in his own time. We asked him, uh, we asked him for him to work in our lives, and it seems like he isn't listening. We see people being healed around us. We see relationships being mended around us, others receiving job promotions, and maybe even winning the lottery. And side note, if you do win the lottery, tenth of it can come here. We're good to go. <laughs> We're good with that. And we're like, God, what about the miracles in my life, in your life? We're supposed to keep our hope in the cross and resurrection, but sometimes it's hard to do that when we see everybody else getting theirs and it seems like God's forgetting about us. So last week we learned that sometimes the norm needs to be broken. When we get stuck in our traditions, our systems, our routines, we can miss the miracle that God wants to work in our lives. We don't have to have a theological degree to reach the world just like when Jesus sent out the disciples, he told them to share their experience. And God wants us to experience him and share that where we live, work, and play. Now today we move on to something that all of us have heard of. Most likely all of you have said somebody else needs more of this. And I'm not talking about breath mints. Something that if you ask me is the basis to this whole series. Even though we have one more to go, I think you, we could stop right here and it'd be good. The one thing that ties all of these miracles together, and speaking of this series, let's talk about weird. So what is weird to you? You can kind of define weird as something unexpected from what you've been taught or known in the past. So thinking about that, let's look at this picture. Not that one, that one. So in and of itself, this right here really isn't weird. I mean, it could be a lot of things. I've seen a lot of hot sauces like that. I've seen a lot of people puke things like that. I mean, this really isn't that weird. Does it seem weird to you? I mean, maybe a little disgusting, but not really weird. Okay, this is what this is. That's freaking weird. Okay, when I put ketchup on my fries, I don't want it to be green. Okay, this green blob is Heinz's idea of something funny. I think, and I don't think it's funny. Let's look at the next picture. Now, this right here really isn't weird. I mean, you could say maybe that's a rock or something, but in and of itself, that doesn't really look weird, unless your mind's kind of off, and then it could look weird. 
but let's see what this really is. That's freaking weird. Yes. When I go and say, hey, I want a hamburger, I don't say, hey, give me the one with the black bun. Okay, I'm just, when I want a hamburger, it's supposed to be a different color. Anyway, something else that's kind of weird. Check this out. That's an awesome looking pizza, but I don't expect it to be from DQ. <laughs> and a funny story about this, I actually did roll up to DQ the other day, and they're like, hey, welcome to Dairy Queen, what can I get you? And I was like, I would like a personal size pepperoni pizza. That's exactly what I got at the drive-in. It was like silence. I was like, hello? Uh, yeah, this is Dairy Queen. Can I help you? I was like, yeah, can I get a personal size pan pizza with extra sauce? I love extra sauce. And that's what I got again, silence. And I was like, hello? She says, are you messing with me? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm messing with you. Just give me a strawberry milkshake, no whipped topping. So anyway, these things in and of themselves can be normal, but what we've known and learned in the past, when you put them together, they can actually seem weird. And that's what we're talking about today, something weird. And the weird thing is going to be faith. In this, series, we're, or in this message of this series, we're going to be talking about faith. And faith is a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. In Webster's Dictionary, he describes it as of strange or order, extraordinary character relating to the supernatural. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we read that faith is the confidence that what we hope for is actually, will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. This is a, a great example of faith, a great description of it. And when I was younger, I had a lot of faith in some of the stupidest things. Uh, I was a little bit of a daredevil. I don't know if we have any daredevils in here as they were young or if they still are, but a lot of my daredevil adventures relied around bicycles. And uh, there was this really steep hill. I was like, man, I, I think I could really go fast down this hill. I really want to try it out. Because I was like, by the end of the, by the bottom of the hill, I'll probably go in so fast that it doesn't matter that I don't have any brakes, you know. So I did it, and I eventually slowed down. But I don't know what happened after that. <clears throat> and also, when we lived uh, up on a hill, back at the end of the holler, um, I was like, I can make it to the bottom of this driveway. I think it's going to be awesome because it had a few little curves. I was like, there's some bumps in it. I could probably jump a few rocks. So I took off down there, and I've got some scars to prove it because at the bottom I did a few tops over turns or whatever you want to call them. My knees are all scarred up. But I had a faith in bicycle, and I made it. And another ex example of some of the daredevil things I did with bicycles was um, in the back of one of the other houses we lived in, there was like a, a little flat spot. And so I looked around, and one day I was like, man, that piece of wood over there would make an awesome ramp. So I was like, let's, let's find... So I found some center blocks or some rocks or something. We put the ramp up on the center blocks. I was like, man, that, I got faith in that piece of wood. It's going to hold us. So, of course, it wasn't me that was going to try it first. Somebody else that was around did. But I was like, I got faith in that ramp that it'll hold you. <laughs> so they took off on the bicycle, hit that ramp. And, I mean, it was like some evil Knievel stuff. They went all the way like two feet off the ground, and it was awesome. They had air. They were coming over. The ramp held. I mean, we had faith in it. Awesome. When, but the problem was we didn't have faith in the bicycle. 
Because when they hit, handlebars were loose, handlebars came down, it rushed around, it poked them in the stomach, they had a big gash. It was all right. They lived. But sometimes we put faith in some of the stupidest things. And in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And here we see from Hebrews to Ephesians the fact that faith is a gift from God. Just like salvation, we can't earn it, we can't conjure it up, but God gives us the gift of faith. And talking about God being the one to give us faith, I titled this message something a little bit weird. I did, it just came to me and I was like, Derek, I had to call him again. I was like, Derek, what do you think about that? He's like, keep it. I was like, I don't know. He's like, keep it. It's cool. So anyway, the title of the message today is, Who Dat? I Am. And we see all through Scripture that Jesus shows his glory. And that's what we want to look about today. In this Scripture that we're getting ready to read, Jesus had just finished another miracle. All the other miracles that we've looked at so far, they've been uh, raising someone from the dead, healing someone, making situations different, better, whatever. But today's miracle is going to be a little different. It comes off of another miracle where Jesus fed a bunch of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He was like dicing up some bread and making up some sushi for everybody. So in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 23, we're going to start with verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Hold me right there, I'm 22. So, obviously there was a big crowd there. Um, he just got done feeding those people, and in the Bible it says 5,000 people in other parts of the Scripture. Traditionally, they only referred to the men, so we're looking at probably about 15,000 people, including women and children. And he just got finished showing all these people and the disciples that have been with him for so long that he literally was the bread of life. And all the commotion and everything, Jesus was like, hey, you guys got to get out of here. The crowds are getting crazy. Y'all just get on the boat, go over there. We had, they had another trip planned. They were going to go to the other side of the sea. So verse 23, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray not fell while he was there alone, 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting the waves. Leave me right here. So, Jesus obviously can do miracles. And when, they got done, uh, when he got done feeding everybody, cleaned up, you know, took the trash out, he was like, okay, I got to get all these people out of here. We got to go. And Jesus sent them directly in, to a wicked storm. We'll see that in a minute. And do you think maybe he could have calmed the storm before he let them go? You think he didn't know about the storm was coming? Maybe he could even parted the seas and said, hey, you guys go ahead and walk right there. Hurry up now. The seas are getting ready to come back down. You know, go straight ahead. No, he put them in the boat knowing that there was going to be a storm and he sent them right directly into the middle of that wicked storm. And I want you guys to understand that sometimes Jesus sends us into storms and he will send us into a storm. He sends us in these storms to display his power, love, and mercy towards his people. 
just think about that. Sometimes we don't really understand what's going on around us, why it's happening, why it could happen to us, but Jesus does. Verse 25, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Well, how about that? And I want to scoot over to a chapter in Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the Gospels. They're kind of four parallel things going on. A lot of different perspectives of the same stories or events. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, it says, He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. 3 o'clock in the morning. So, the way the time goes on with everything like this, this has basically been about nine hours since the people, since the disciples got in their boat and went across the water. They, rowing against the hard winds and waves, probably only made it about four miles. Uh, sometimes I wonder, why does Jesus send us into these storms? Why does he let us row against the winds and the waves for nine freaking hours to only go four little miles? Seems like we're always two steps forward, one step backwards. And I want you to understand that Jesus has the power to calm the storm. He has a power to calm your situation, whatever it may be, wherever you are in life, whatever's going on. But he also loves us. And he loves us so much that he knows what's best for us, and he does what's best for us. Sometimes that's hard for us to see. What I want you to understand is, what if God has you right here, right now, because he wants to show you his amazing love? What if he isn't rescuing you from your situation, not because he doesn't love you, but because he wants, to, wants you to see him for who he really is? What if God is restraining himself from delivering you from a certain situation, or your family, your loved ones, because he ultimately cares, and get this, more about doing something in you than something for you. That's hard to hear. That's hard to think about. Because when it's right here in front of us, we're always focused on what the here and now, what's going on. But get this. He may not be delivering us from a certain situation because he ultimately cares about you, loves about you, uh, loves you, has power over the situations because he wants to do something in you than for you. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Now, jumping back, you don't have to go back to the scripture, but jumping back to Mark 6, 48, I thought this was so interesting. It doesn't say this in Matthew, but it, it recounts this in Mark 48. He intended to go past them. Do what? Was he like in a foot race? He's like, look at me, I can walk in water and I'm going to beat you. I mean... Why does he do something like that? Why would he intend to go past them? We'll see here in just a minute. Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am. So Jesus, in the middle of all this, in the middle of a wicked storm... He actually intended to go past them. Was he up there on the hill praying and like, oh, crap, I forgot there was going to be a storm here in a few minutes. I'll just wait. Jesus knew about the storm. Jesus knows about the storms in your lives. He knows what you're going through. 
He knows what your loved ones are going through. He knows what you're struggling with. He intended to go past him only so they could see his glory. Only so they could cry out to him. In this verse 27, this is the same, similar language that uh, the Old Testament uses in Exodus 34 when Moses asked to see God's glory. And God said that he would pass by him and show him his glory but cover his face so that he could proclaim he is the Lord. And that's what he's doing here. He's going past these disciples so that he can proclaim to them and to us today that he is Lord. He is I am. Verse 28, Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Leave me right here for just a second. This story is not about Peter. A lot of times you read these stories and the main character pops out and you're like, oh dang, that's not Jesus, that's Peter walking on water. Well, literally, Peter did walk on water. I mean, he's the only other guy besides Jesus that walked on water, except for the people in the computer world that make themselves look like they're walking on water, but they're really not. But anyway, sometimes we get confused in our situations and we lose focus on the main character. Sometimes we think it's about us, but it's not about us. It's about I am. Jesus is wanting to show his glory to us through our situation. Sometimes that affects people we love. Sometimes that affects our friends. But Jesus has the power to calm the storm, and our storms will show his faithfulness. That's where we are with this. This story is not about Peter, it's about Jesus. And we'll see in just a second how Jesus showed his faithfulness to Peter. Verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. A lot of times... When we get in the middle of the storms, we do get a little distracted. Instead of looking at Jesus, instead of looking at I am, we take our eyes away from him and look at the strong winds that we've been battling and the strong waves that we've been rowing against. And we, we kind of ask, why would you even put me in the middle of this storm? What is your storm? We've been talking about it a little bit, but let's bring it down to a, a more personal level. Is your storm an addiction? Is your storm that you've lost a loved one? Well, I just lost my one and only child. I am. I've been stuck in this addiction for years. Every morning I wake up, that's all I think about. I am. That's what Jesus is saying today. Jesus wants to show his faithfulness in the middle of our storms. I've known a lot of people who struggle over a lot of things, and you think, how can Jesus even be reaching them right now? But he's wanting to do something in them more than just for them? Is it a divorce? How can God let me go through this storm? How could he send me into this wicked storm? Maybe it's unfaithfulness. Maybe it's just a struggling marriage. We're, we can't get along. I am. Maybe it's finances, and that's something that you want to say, well, we'll take care of it. It's, it really doesn't have anything to do with God, but I am. He cares about everything of your life. And he, can, he has the power to calm the storms 
and he loves us. He knows what's best for us, and he does what's best for us, even though we can't see it sometimes. In the middle of this storm that Peter was having, he lost focus, and that's the one thing we don't need to do. We don't need to lose focus because he is I am. So what are you putting your faith in? Is it your job? Well, I can get up and do my job. I don't need God. I can take care of this. It'll take care of my finances. Is it your spouse? You look to them every day for the answers, the support. Or is it your children? Well, if I just have the kids, I'll be all right. Well, I've got to take care of the kids. I, I don't need to worry about everything else. It'll be all right. What about the economy? No, we, I don't think we need to put our faith in that. That's very, very, uh, I don't know the word, but it, it's up and down a lot. And I just want you to think about all the other things that could be going on. True faith is sustainable despite our situation, despite how we feel. Sometimes you think, I can't have, there's no way I can have faith when I'm feeling like this. I'm so depressed. I'm so anxious. How can I have faith? Faith is sustainable despite our situation. Well, if I could just get through this, I would have more faith. But that's not always the case. There's so many things that can go wrong in our lives. There's so many things around us that can feel like it's just bearing down on us. Things happen to our families that we love. There's, there's jail time. There's prison. There's mental problems. Um, and it goes on and on and on. People can lose parts of their body. They have cancer. It's all around us. It's nothing new. It's just something new to you. And sometimes you can feel like it's going to pull you down and crush you. Just like this storm they felt was going to crush the boat against the winds and waves. But despite how you feel, you can have true faith. And thinking about that, I want you to see here in the next verse what Jesus does. And we want to go to verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? Ultimately, God, through Jesus, used Peter's situation to proclaim his glory. That day to Peter, he was saying, I am today to you, he is saying, I am. When you're going through something that you think there's no possible way out, your storm is so bad, you can't even see in front of you. You've been rowing for nine hours and you've only made it four miles. Jesus is walking on the water. He could have saved Peter many, many ways. He could have beamed him up back on the water. He could have put a hole in the water and, and put a rock right there and he could have just stood on a rock. Use your imagination. Jesus could have saved Peter in so many different ways. He could pull you out of your storm. He could pull your family out of the storm. He could take that addiction away. He could heal a marriage. He has the power to save us. But Jesus chose to reach out 
and touch Peter. Today, Jesus is reaching out and wanting to touch us. That's why he doesn't just snap his fingers and things are better. That's why he lets you go into the wicked storms. Jesus wants to show that he is I am. But not only does he do that, he does it with a personal touch. He is our father. And he loves us. Verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they claimed. These situations that we go through, these storms that we are, seems like forced into, they're ultimately for Jesus' name to be proclaimed. And we see this as the disciples said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. They were so amazed they didn't even notice the storm had stopped. They climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. The waves stopped. The storm had passed. But they got what Jesus wanted to show them, that he is I am. The object of our faith will determine how we make it through the storm. Are you putting your faith in your job, your spouse, the economy? One more hit, one more lover. True faith is sustainable despite our situation. And the object of our faith will determine how we make it through the storm. Figuratively, to walk on water is to perform an impossible and godlike task. The sea in, this, in the scriptures was a picture of everything in the world that man cannot control and ultimately death. So in the scriptures when we're reading about the sea, that's kind of figuratively what they're talking about. Think about the sea. You're not going to control it. Sea walls are not going to stop it. Piers are going to be knocked down. You see all kinds of hurricanes that come along. Think about the seas in our lives the struggles that we have that we can't stop. The waves are overcoming all the seawalls. You can die out there and, can, and, and in one way or another not be able to stop it. You can't control the seas. And in, in this time, this sea, I've actually seen some pictures of people that have visited Israel and been to this sea. It's a massive body of water. And there's really no control in it. But Jesus did. He walked on it. Just like Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave and rose again for us to be able to see the Father. He walked on that water of sea figuratively and literally to show the disciples that he has conquered everything in the world that you cannot control and ultimately death. So what about our storms? Does he not already conquer those, those before we even see them? The winds and the waves that we're up against, he's conquered them. Jesus is greater, greater than your fears and greater than anything in the world that can keep you from God. And I know I'm speaking from some sort of experience. When you become part of these situations, when you have doubts and fears, 
anxiety, depression, struggles. Jesus, how can you save me? I am. He is, I am. Mark 6.51. This is another little side note of this. Then he climbed into the boat, just like we saw him in uh, Mark 6.48. Another parallel is what I was trying to say. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. 52. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Jesus works in our lives whether or not our hearts are too hard to take it in. Jesus is working around us when we can't even see him. He's wanting to show us his faithfulness. He is wanting to reach down and touch us just like he did Peter. He's wanting to reach down and save us today so that people around us, so that we can see that he is I am. Like I said earlier, maybe he has you in the middle of this struggle. He is not rescuing you from this storm because he is more interested in doing something for you, in you, than for you. And I think this plays perfectly with the scripture that Derek used in every other message. Habakkuk 1.5 The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. It's hard to hear that sometimes. You're dealing with a family member that they won't be coming home for two or three years. They've done something and, and you had no control over it. I am. I am doing something in your own day, something that you wouldn't even believe if someone told you about it. People can tell us all the time, well, you'll be better off. I just have faith. <laughs> faith in what? I am. Jesus is telling us today that he wants to show us his faithfulness. He wants to show us his power and his love. And he wants to do something in us and not only for us. He wants to reach down and touch us personally. Thank you, Father, so much for your personal love. Thank you, Father, that you reach down and touch us in the middle of storms. That when our eyes lose your gaze and focus on the winds and the waves, you're still there. You're still showing us that you have conquered the world. Father, we thank you so much that you come before us and that you've made a path for us to see our Father one day. Help us in the middle of our storms, Lord, to see I am. We love you, Father. Amen.